You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome one and welcome a double L to the greatest show of them eight. It is the NFC East Mixtape Volume 148. You can listen to us on any one of your SB Nation blog, pod, NFC East blog, podcast networks, excuse me, or watch us on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel or the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel, where if you do, you will see myself. My name is RJ Cho from Blog and the Boys. He is himself all plighted out from Bleeding Green Nation. Blee, I was going to say Blee LG. BLG. Brandon Lee Gotten. PLG. How goes it? Doing well. Other than being sick, RJ, as you can kind of hear my voice a little bit. Uh, it's so weird too because it snowed here last week multiple times. So I haven't really I like saw. gone anywhere or done anything. I've been staying inside because it's been freezing cold and snowy and icy out. And somehow I got sick by just staying inside. So not sure what that's about, but uh, was excited to see the Philadelphia 76ers beat your San Antonio Spurs last night. 70 burger from Joel Embiid the best player in basketball history as evidenced by his all-time leading status in points per minute. So boom. Yeah, it was very cool. Um, I've talked about this game a lot today uh, on the radio, um, as you can imagine, at 941 San Antonio sports star. And nobody was really mad. Like <laughs> there's not a single Spurs fan. That's like, this well, sucks. There's no expectations um, for the Spurs. It's the, uh, the most points that anybody's ever scored against the Spurs. Do you know who number two is? 61 was their previous high mark. I don't. It's your boy, Kobe. James Harden. No. Um, yeah, James Harden is uh, one of – he's the only person to ever drop at least 50 points twice against the Spurs. Um, mm. But of anyone who's dropped 50 or more, there's only been one losing effort. And uh, one of Harden's two was, uh, was a losing effort. So, um, incidentally, uh, you know. Um, also, this was the 14th instance in which somebody scored 70 points in a single game um, in NBA history. Um, but only the ninth individual performance right. because Wilt, Wilt was so selfish and hogged them all to himself. Uh, six different 70 point affairs. That's so ridiculous. I don't, what would be the football version of 70 points in a game? Like, like eight touchdowns? I mean, that did happen in a game this year for what, the true. Dolphins, right? Um, <laughs> That's true. But from an individual but, uh, basis, a player, like, like, I, I think it would be like eight passing what, touchdowns. Seven is the record, yeah, seven, seven passing touchdowns, touchdowns, right? Um, I don't know. I feel like, and it's, what, and I think what did Alvin eight. Kamara do on Christmas Day? It was like six rushing touchdowns or something against the Vikings. Unsure, but that sounds vaguely familiar. Wow. Um, are you um, are you prepared for the Sixers to break your heart in the playoffs? I I came into the season, you know, with every expectation that they're not going to do anything new. It's very there's a very uh, there's a parallel there to the Dallas Cowboys oh. in terms of being this you know good regular season team that can't even get out of the second round. So, uh, but. At the same time, knowing that is almost more freeing in a way because it's like I can just enjoy this. Like I can enjoy it and be looking great, and it maybe it doesn't culminate in anything at the end of the season, but 
I mean, that's a fun experience last night, just like seeing like a no hitter is or sure. a perfect game. Like it, it might not mean you win the World Series, but it's like, well, that's a really cool moment in time. I can always remember that night when I watched that game. Um, you know, more of the same is a pretty big parallel for the NFC East right now. We're about to get into it, but um, you actually uh, are, are, are are kind of like representing something. I've I've grabbed about this before. Um, I get, I'm assuming that's an Eagles hoodie for the uh, podcast audience that can't see it. Is that correct? A Kelly Green Eagles jersey, uh, hoodie. It's a not quite an Eagles hoodie. Like it's a mix of uh, a band and the Eagles. So there's the old okay. Eagles logo on it, but it also has the band Circus Survive. Okay, which is so a but really area band, uh, a little bit that makes a combo sense. thing. But so what bothers me greatly in sports, and I've told you this before, is when you have you know colors, you know, and your rivals of other teams have colors that you represent. So like the Kelly green you're representing is like the Boston Celtics green. You know what I'm saying? Like that's so it's so different. like I'm. I mean, it might be a shade different, but all I'm saying is like if the Celtics and Sixers meet up in the Eastern Conference Finals and you open your closet to like get something Sixers, you see that and you're like, Ugh, you know, you're all pissed off. No, it's stupid. It's, different. it's it's kind of like the Sixers have like some Cowboys blue going on. So when it's like Eagle season, you're like, oh, I don't like my Sixers stuff. That's like, also not true. I they actually think stars. I think that Phil, I know I, that bothers me. I mean, I'm not a hockey. You know, my hockey team is actually the Bruins, but the Phillies um, literally have like the Cowboys logo in their logo. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, like the dot I, of the eye is the, the, more star, that I think the Cowboys of, star. Uh, the more that I think about it, I think Philadelphia sports probably has the widest range of colors as far as uh, major teams because the Flyers are e- e- even orange. Like, there's mm. no symmetry between any of the professional sports teams in Philadelphia. Well, I mean, isn't the, the Union even like baby blue? What's that? The Union's even like baby blue or whatever. No, um, so. I th- that's something that's right. They're kind of like a darker blue and then like a gold kind of thing going on. And also, this, again, the Sixers and Phillies have similar colors in terms of like red, white, blue. They're they're the way they're doled out is different, but I mean the color actually for the most part similar. Uh, the DFW teams are pretty chalk. I mean the Mavericks are also they've got like a star thing going on. So do the Rangers, obviously, and the Rangers have the red, but you know you got the royal blue and the white. Mavericks, you got navy blue and white. Again, pretty. Pretty standard, but then you're right. The Dallas Stars do just kind of ruin it, you know, with the the Kelly Green going on or whatever shade it is. But we're not here to talk hockey or baseball or basketball. We're here to talk football, BLG. For the first time in a very long time, we have no games to recap mm. in the NFC East. Um, but we're the only podcast about a division that would have no games to talk about <laughs> from the past weekend. Pretty pathetic. Uh, so the NFC East, uh, off the board in the divisional round of the playoffs, I am interested as we move along to discuss what would be the best results for the NFC East, uh, what, what, with regards to the conference championships, now that we're down to the final four. Um, but as far as, you know, news, we have, as we mentioned, more of the same. Um, so let's start with the Dallas Cowboys because they did win the NFC East since we last spoke, they decided to keep Mike McCarthy. Man, I was so pissed off when this happened. Like the news pissed me off. But uh, I was my wife had a meeting and so I was putting our son to bed and so I was busy with that. And I, you know, then then this news happened. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, you don't even have time to like get to it right now. I don't have time to get to the thing that I don't even want to do because I'm, you know, busy. So it's just this. And, and then I was so looking forward to like relaxing that night. But no, of course, the Cowboys had to ruin this. But so Mike McCarthy coming back uh, the next day, McCarthy spoke and had his, uh, you know, kind of postseason press conference, which, as I understand, Nick Sirianni is having on Wednesday, the day this episode comes out, um, had one of the just more sad lines I've ever heard uh, mm. a person have. We can get into it in a moment. Um, Jerry Jones issued a statement backing him up, um, 
TLDR, we believe in what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's obviously not going to be a change in offensive coordinator or offensive play caller. Uh, the Cowboys are still waiting to see what will happen with Dan Quinn. At the time of this recording, um, the Tennessee job, which is one of which Dan had a second interview with, uh, went to Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator. He has recorded or been requested for second interviews with the Washington Commanders and, of course, the Seattle Seahawks. So anything could happen along those lines. Um, there was a report from ESPN that the Cowboys do want Dan Quinn back if he doesn't get a head coaching job which also pisses me off. Um, so everyone is mad all the time. It has been a really, really, really dark 10 days or whatever it's been since the season ended. Uh, it just hit me when we were talking about the division thing earlier that both teams remaining in each conference are from the North and the West. So, you, you know, the That's Lions correct. from the NFC North, the Ravens from the uh, AFC North, and then the Chiefs AFC West and 49ers AFC West. So big, big for the Northwest contingents out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm happy. Mike McCarthy is back. Uh, I know that he's had obviously. I tweeted about success. that. I gave I gave you a shout out when that happened. I said, you, you know, a good you know thing that BLG does on the mixtape is Thank like, you. you know, not perfect. It's a fallible strategy, but it's it's got some merit to it. Uh, it's when, worth considering. When, is all yeah, I'm when, saying. <laughs> when, when something happens, how do your rivals feel? Um, right. Now that you can take be mis- that into consideration. You shouldn't base your decision only off of that, but you should consider it. That can be misguided. Um, as an example, I think in the past, your feelings about Dak Prescott have been born out of irrational thoughts mm. and processes, but whatever. Um, but with regards with regards to this, that. it wasn't even just rivals. There was, I mean, maybe a handful of people who were, you know, of the mindset that this was the right thing to do. Um, now, I do think the Cowboys are kind of stuck, and we can get into that, but uh, I'm sorry, continue your, the general thoughts on McCarthy returning. Yeah, uh, so it's not as one note as like, oh, he's back, It's he sucks, the Cowboys are not going to have any success in the regular season next year. Obviously, no one's saying that, but it's it comes down to you can set your watch to playoff disappointment. Like You're fully expecting that. The way we phrase things a lot, I feel like you and I, especially me, I'll speak for myself at the very least, is that like benefit of the doubt. And do you deserve that or not? And obviously, Mike McCarthy deserves none of that at all when it comes to the postseason. So uh, I am definitely glad they are maintaining status quo because as we talked about even before the decision was made to bring him back it scared me more that they could hire someone and something could be different they would change the equation there i know the cowboys have had that regular season success i truly believe that sometimes teams do get unlucky look at the eagles in the early 2000s like that was that was kind of like an un that's football outsiders has written about this in the past where like they were like the most successful football team in a stretch of a given time to never win a championship something of that effect well, that, like the niners are, are flirting with that right now exactly but, yeah. the saints had that for a little bit that happened so part of that is it it just happens the bills obviously there's just some right. level of like you know 70s one team vikings yeah yeah i'm with you yeah. Dynast- dynasties that weren't for sure at the same time uh there's real concerns it's not just like well the cowboys lost on a fluke field goal this year like no they, they no showed in the division in the wild card round against the seven seed that never like that's a really damning end of the season for them and it certainly raises questions about what they can do and same thing this is all tied together too when it comes to Dak and extending him and having a quarterback who has one of the worst winning percentages in the playoffs um so you know it kind of just makes you feel like I feel like if you're a Cowboys fan that you know we have this level we have this floor which is nice but at some point when that floor isn't too much different than the ceiling then that's pretty frustrating so a lot has happened even since the you know decision to make you know to bring mccarthy back was made um 
the way the Packers played on Saturday night in San Francisco elicited some complicated feelings for Dallas Cowboys fans. I wrote about this and I've talked about this. Um, and it depends on somewhat on your viewpoint in life. Um, you know, you can look at this and say like, wow, the Packers kind of held their own. I'm a little bit less mad. I'm, a, you know, I'm a little bit more, I say more understanding, but like, clearly this was not just some like, you know, it's not the, the way it's not a seven seed, the way the Steelers were on the AFC side of things this year. Right. Is that fair to say? Um, the, the other you know perspective is, man, the Niners look really beatable. You know what I mean? Like you, you, if you had gotten there, like, you know, this looks like a team that can be had. So like, it makes it all the more frustrating that you couldn't do that. So, um, in addition to all that, Mike McCarthy spoke, as I mentioned, and man, serious shout out to friend of blog and the boys, uh, Jane Slater. Um, uh, she asked him straight up, asked McCarthy, like, why should fans be excited for you to come back this season? And like, yeah. again, like serious props for asking that question. And, um, and I want to be very clear in saying that there is not a good answer to that. That's why it's such a great question. Um, nothing McCarthy could have said would have made me feel better if, if I'm being straight up. So I don't mean to just dunk on the answer because I would have dunked on anything. But he's, you know, and he said, like, hey, I believe, you know, we've built something. He said, we've built a championship culture without the championship, uh, which is, <laughs> is silly. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, he said without the Super Bowl championship, like they have, you know, technically it's an NFC championship. Come on, culture. come on. Uh, but That's but then neat. at the end, I mean, he he stood up for his his staff and his, his guys. He said, you know, I, I believe in, you know, I believe in us. And he said, buy into us. And I think, you know, we're no. all just so. Well, I mean, we're all just so tired of hearing that, you know, like if the Lions are to fall short in the title game and even if they get waxed, you know, and Dan Campbell goes to the podium after and says, you know, buy into us. Every Lions fan is like lining up. You know what I'm saying? But like, it's so hard to buy into you when you just you you didn't just fold. But I mean, you folded in this like insanely pathetic fashion. And so. Not nothing's really changed. I mean, nothing has changed at all in the time being, except for they're waiting on Dan Quinn, which, you know, I'm not going to accuse them of doing nothing in, in terms of things that are, aren't reported. But what what if Dan Quinn takes to the weekend, you know, and gets a job? Now you've lost two whole weeks, you know what I mean, on on time you could, that could have been spent finding a defensive coordinator. Um, and so this this truly I think people overuse the like, this is the definition of insanity. I think people overuse that trope a lot. But this is is bordering on that. Like they're just running it back. They're not changing a single thing in terms of cornerstone foundational principles. Yeah, I was trying to think about like what changes the calculus here for the Cowboys going forward because like it can't be just like, oh, they're healthier because they were healthy in the playoffs this year. They had no one on their final injury report going into the Packers game uh, other than Cooper Rush, who was like questionable with an illness or whatever. Right. Um, Dak had a great year in terms of like among where it looks at compared to other like years of his career and Dak, I, say, CD, I mean yeah like ev got, everybody everybody and, played like, also with Tyron had, like, Tyron played a lot of games like to your point like face right. smiled upon them in a lot of ways yeah they weren't really I don't know, I think they were had one of their healthy years it seemed like from afar in general I know they had obviously every team has injuries but relative to other years I don't think they had like this crippling devastating injury like usually the Tyron injury is each they year Kayvon Diggs is, is the one that's that you fair but to. then again yeah but then you had Tron Bland come out of nowhere and like be awesome to help supplant that so you had a you like, had a rookie all pro kicker like <laughs> like un, yeah, you had a kicker who didn't miss a field goal until what the Packers game or whatever no it was or week kick, 18 it was week whatever. 18 whatever well, like, well, yeah, whole season was, almost yeah basically like so that's my point is just like and again the Dak thing it, this isn't like the 20 you know, going into this year, you and I were both like, he, he's going to have a better year, at least from an interception standpoint, just because he had bad luck. He's not going to throw as many. You just look at his career. That was the 
uh, an abnormal. Um, that was the aberration, the 2022 season. But like this year, I'm not saying he only had good luck, but he definitely got the bounce back of that good luck. And now he might have some worse luck again next year. Maybe not to that same degree in 2022, but worse than this season. So, and also like, <clears throat> you know, a big problem with the Cowboys, I think was their resume. They beat the crap out of bad teams. That's great. That's cool. You need to do, that's what great teams do. You beat the crap out of bad teams, but you can't do that and then go up against like goodish teams. Like the, the, the more, you know, the higher standard of competition and I mean, you got waxed by the 49ers, you lost to the Bills, you got waxed by them too. Um, lost to the Dolphins, who weren't even that good, it turns out, in the end. Lost, uh, to, the, lost to the Eagles right before the collapse began. Lost to the Eagles before the collapse began, then beat them. Um, like, that's that's the, like, so, yeah, what are the wins you're hanging your hat on from this past season? Well, I think on the surface, you would say the Lions win. But even that, obviously, comes with some discussion and <laughs> yes. some, you know, debate. Um, other than that, I mean... You know, the second the, Eagles game, but second again, Eagles game's impressive. Eagles team became it was and it wasn't at the I think same time. The Rams game, but even then you could kind of be like, Well, Stafford left the game, you know, did injury. Um that was a different version of the Rams. Right. The Eagles beat that same Rams team, and the that Seahawks. was a different version. The, the, the Seahawks is probably the win because that was pretty good. G, Gino was amazing but in that game. A team that didn't even you, make the playoffs. I mean, I'm well, you you asked the question, but so it is really I'm not saying they deserve zero credit. I'm just saying, like, what is that signature win of the season? It feels so like this is the longest Dallas Cowboys offseason I've ever lived. And we're on like day 10, like I'm saying like it it is. And last week there was all this like, you know, drama between Cowboys family members all over the internet. I mean, Mm -hmm. like it, it does feel like you, like the, you know, like you look out the window and like the clouds are black, you know what I'm saying? And like, Mm -hmm. like the wind is picking up like that. That's how this is really kind of starting to feel. Um, And, and I don't know what the solution to that is. I mean, we're, we're two weeks away from you know the week leading up to the Super Bowl so I don't know which Cowboys are going to do the car wash and what we're going to hear from them you know what I mean and you know because they all generally tend to do it and so I mean that that will stir the pot a little bit Dan Quinn will probably I do you think Dan Quinn gets one of the remaining head coaching jobs because I the don't. Seahawks one is the one you know I'm I'm like I would watch the most I'm mean, that's not saying anything sure. that anyone else isn't thinking but that's the one to me to watch the most I just but don't even think that, it happens. like I know you're frustrated with Dan Quinn but like the way the Cowboys defense played the past two years, there's a lot of room to go down. Well, they were they awful this perfect. past year. I mean, like, again, the first two years were amazing. This, really, the second half of this whole season, and, you know, check any podcast you want. I've been saying that for a long time. Um, sort of speaks to how they really failed. I mean, uh, BGN alum, Benjamin Solak, put out a tweet that, mm. like, got all over the place where he was just dragging Dan Quinn. And so it's it's really difficult to see how this could end well it's a contract year for mike mccarthy they're not going to be extending him and like there's like you can say like oh that's like not a big deal whatever i'm not saying it's a massive deal but it's not a zero deal i mean and like i wrote something about this this is the third time in a row that that jerry jones is going to send his coach into a contract year yeah um now we'll see what they do with Dak Prescott. we can get to that in a second but the last time I don't know that this got enough like discussion at the time in 2019, they literally sent their head coach and their quarterback both into contract years. That's crazy. Like when you think about that, like, you know what I mean? Like if you believe in either one of them, that's actually right. like a fundamentally stupid thing to do. Now, granted, um, it was the final year of Dak's fourth round rookie contract. So, you know, it's a, a bit unique in that respect. Um, but still, and obviously Garrett failed and the whole franchise failed and they had to bring in Mike McCarthy. 
five years before that, they sent Garrett into a contract year and he went 12 and four and it was awesome. And Des caught it and all that stuff. But mm. the coach before Garrett was Wade Phillips, who didn't even get to see out his contract because Jerry fired him midseason, incidentally, after a loss to Mike McCarthy, of all people. I remember that. The, the last time that Jerry Jones fired a head coach at the end of a season. So, like, did a assessment on what happened, which I think I know I'm I'm really narrowing, you know, the parameters here to prove my point. But I do think that there's there's value in that and saying, OK, this is what you did this season. It clearly wasn't enough. Something has to be different. It was over 20 years ago when he got rid of Dave Campo. Now, there's some, you know, discussion about Bill Parcells and how they were kind of structuring things, but whatever. I mean, my point is that's been a very, very, very long time. It's such a passive way of going about this, and it, it looks like you just don't care. I mean, you either don't care or you're misplacing faith and belief in, in the wrong people. I'm trying to think about, you know, again, what you can do differently, how you can change the calculus. And I think one thing that I saw in blogging the boys that you had written about in terms of Jerry Jones being so passive was the word that was used to describe him. Peter King destroyed him this week in football morning in America for that. Um, so, and that was his word. Yeah. And I do think there's some truth to, I think the Cowboys have been too risk averse and I think they need to take some bigger swings I mean, what, you spent a first-round pick on Mozzie Smith this past year. What if you used that pick to trade for, I don't know, like I'm probably needed to give up more, but Stephon Diggs or whoever. I know you got Brandon Cooks, but still, like my point is, or it doesn't have to be a wide receiver. It could be a different position. Like, But you have this window. And quite literally, like, you know, going into the contract year, McCarthy, um, big decision to make on Dak's contract. Like, don't, no, you don't need the half measure. You don't need to worry about the next iteration of the Cowboys. This is your window. Focus on this. And if it means borrowing from the future and you're in a worse spot in the future, live with that. Because, like, well, what's the worst that can happen? You're not going to win the champion. You're not going to advance the NFC Championship game anyway. So I think they can afford to take some bigger swings. Now I say that. And, like, it's not like the Cowboys lost to the Packers because the Packers were just simply way more talented and the Cowboys didn't have enough playmakers. That wasn't the issue. That the playmakers didn't make plays. And the coaching staff certainly didn't have them ready to play. So uh, I say that thinking that, you know, that could help, but it only goes to so far. So last thing, um, Jason Fitzgerald wrote about something at overthecap.com that everybody should read. And I uh, referenced in something I wrote at Blog of the Boys that. That, that just came out actually while you and I um, are talking here. And he laid out like all possible options with Dak. Like if you want to cut Dak, like, I mean, some of these options are ridiculous, but you know what I mean? Like, just so you're aware of the like ramifications. Literally every option. Yeah. Right. And the one he laid out that I like the most, uh, because while I believe in Dak, the timing of everything now forces you to ask some questions. Like you, you have to be willing to say, okay, the timing of Dak may not be what works for the future of this team. And that you just have to live with that. Like you said. And so the, the plan that I like the most is to not extend Dak and to restructure but and, and to be clear i'm i'm a, i'm if they extend Dak, i'm completely at peace with this but if you're going to do that you have to do it asap because you have to establish that relief as soon as possible if you really believe that Dak is the future you want him around for 2025 and beyond then get that extension done now like don't wait around don't drag your feet don't do this don't do that don't make it more difficult for him and your team to win so that would be my argument for if you're going to extend them do it as soon as possible but if you're not then just restructure him. Just restructure him. And like you said, kick some of this can down the road and give yourself some salary cap relief for the here and now. And he's in a contract year. McCarthy's in a contract year. You use that relief to go all in, so to speak. I hate that terminology, but you do it. And if it works out, awesome. You won the Super Bowl and you deal with the consequences and you figure things out right. and you pay all everybody all the money in the world. And if it doesn't work out, hey, man, we all tried. Let's just shake hands and go right. our separate ways. Yeah, I think that's where it's at. The Philadelphia Eagles. 
despite the fact that Brian Johnson has known Jalen Hurts dating all the way back to high school, which we had shoved down our throats last year. They will not be retaining him. In fact, Brandon, the Eagles will not be retaining anybody in terms of mm. coordinators on their team. And that's a, a weird way to put that because you kind of have to. Brian Johnson out on the offensive side of the ball. Sean Desai out on the defensive side of the ball. Matt Patricia out uh, in terms of his level of participation, however you want to qualify that. So for the second time in as many years, head coach Nick Sirianni will be looking for two new coordinators on the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty frustrated that Nick Sirianni's back because I just don't understand what about the head coach that you really liked that you have to keep and it's simply the coordinators who were to blame obviously you had to make a change at defensive coordinator especially with how they handled the situation even if Sean Desai was awesome I mean he's not going to want to come back and you weren't going back to that um so that you know that part makes sense but man I've very much been on I've called it Brian Johnson Island all year because I think it just became for me my perspective on it too much just anything went wrong brian johnson's fault anything with the offense is wrong it's just brian johnson and to me and i was saying this early in the year too it's like well at the end of the day it's nick sirianni's offense now people might be like well then why was shane steichen awesome last year i think part of the problem is that by nick sirianni's own admission i don't remember if you saw this quote or we referenced it from last week you see this quote that i had put out about how uh Sirianni basically said prior to oh yeah 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 it was like the, the older quote yeah I saw this it the was like continued. in not so many words it was like we're not going to really focus on innovation as much as we just want to do what we do well and maybe kind of like tweak that a little bit which is <laughs> not I can't believe like that's a real quote that exists because that's exactly what happened they looked like a team that wasn't doing anything new and everyone caught up to it and figured it out so then at that point I just think everyone says play calling like the play calling suck the play calling suck I'm not going to sit here and say the play calling. I emphasize that word calling was awesome. But the the play design, the play scheming was terrible. The menu that Brian Johnson had to pick from was not good. So how was it supposed to be a good dish for you to eat when the menu sucks? The menu is just, it's garbage. So I don't really know what he was supposed to do. Now, I think it's fair to say that you should remove him because there clearly was something wrong from the operation between Nick Sirianni, Brian Johnson, and Jalen Hurts. And I'm not saying that J- Brian Johnson is definitely part of the solution. He might stink. I don't really know. I think that's hard to parse, but that's the point. I don't really know. Whereas I am pretty confident that Nick Sirianni is not leading this team in the right direction with the kind of performance he had last year. And it just seems very naive to me that, oh, you bring in two co- new coordinators and that fixes everything. And it's just like, what's he here for then? If Nick Sirianni can only be good if he's lifted up by two great coordinators, then what is he doing? What is he bringing to the table? That's the that's the whole crux of the Sirianni thing. No one can say what they like about that he brings to the table other than, well, look at his record. Okay, but what has he specifically <laughs> done that you think contributes to winning that you like? No one can answer I, that question. So... I raised that question first around these parts. So, you know, pat on the back for me. But I think well, the I would answer, say at the time, the answer was the culture stuff. But then well, that, that fell no, through. So no, now but that's what? To answer your question, I, I think, and the way you always answered it when I would ask it, is the aggression, right? Like, it, like and that was, you said, like, I would always, I'll always take the coach that leans that way, that, that goes for it, sure. goes for it, go for it. And we saw even that, you know, disposition 
wither and fade yeah. as as the collapse wore on and on and on. Now, there could be a million reasons for that, and I'm in no way trying to like take smoke off of Sirianni, but it could be like a lack of faith in Ryan Johnson or a lack of faith in Jalen Hurts or whatever. Um, to stick with your sort of restaurant analogy, if uh, Nick Sirianni is like the manager and the person who's like in charge of like ordering different ingredients or whatever, and Brian Johnson is like the um, – uh, whatever Carmi's cousin plays, like like whatever his role is in the Bear. I, have you seen the Bear? That's a that's a no. BLT show. I would that's say a, oh, you would love that sh- this show. I, I've thought about it. I'm not there yet. But, um, I mean, Brian Johnson's the chef, right? No, I think Nick. I'm sorry. I think Jalen Hurts is the chef. That's what I'm saying. Mm. I think I think Nick Sirianni is like the buyer. You know what I mean? Like the person who's in charge. Like everything. Yeah, the ingredients with regards- are expired. <laughs> I know, and and so I think. Um, I, the host is not the the proper term. Again, if for anyone who's who's seen the bear, I'm talking about Carmi's cousin and and what he winds up jumping to do. Uh, but Jalen is clearly the person that has to like make the food, right? Like, there's no question about this. And so, while I agree that like it's very fair, like because it's not just like the ingredients are expired, but it's also like the sanitation of the place is a little bit in question now. You know what I mean? Like, there's just there's some weird like now now people are complaining about the parking issues outside. Mm. You know, like like Sirianni's just kind of let the place go a little bit, and so it's hard for somebody to kind of thrive in there. And then on top of that, or beneath all of that, I guess Jalen Hurts then has to cook. You know, like and that he he delivers the product that everybody ultimately tastes. Um, now I say all that to also say you can't take you know all, I know you're not, but all blame off of Jalen Hurts, and that's where the um, the take because I say that all the time too is like oh the plays suck. It's like, okay, like, do you just think that, like, Jalen is, like, you know, the, the magic plays will come in and Jalen will be awesome again? Like, like is, right. is that, like, the, the solution that, that is being proposed here? Um, also, this may have been a poorly aggregated thing, which is why I wanted to wait and ask you here. I saw something somewhere last week about how Jalen had reportedly lost trust in Brian Johnson as the season wore on and was freelancing a little bit. Um, if there's any truth to that, then we got to blame Jalen for some of this stuff. You know what I mean? Like if it's Jalen freelancing, then guess who else was like fine or shopping for the like expired ingredients that involves Jalen hurts. But why at the same time, why is the quarterback thinking he can do that? Especially in key moments. That's a great question too. That's a great question. Again, I brought this up. I don't know if it was here or BGN radio, but like everyone's reaction to AJ Brown taking accountability for, um, him and Jalen, whatever, changing the play at the end of that Seahawks game. Like everyone's like, oh, cool, that's a cool thing, nice thing of AJ to do, to defend Nick. Like, okay, sure, but why is, in Nick's system, why is Nick allowing the players to ever do that? Like, that should never be, especially in a circumstance where it was a highly situational football thing. Like, this to is not point. the time to audible. The time, This is the time to, there's times to, yeah, audible and make a play at a point in the game. I'm, You know, there's room for that at some level. I'm not saying it should never be there, but it can't be when you need to do this very specific thing and set up a field goal at the end of the game to at least tie it and send it to overtime. Anyway, uh, there was a well, big... Just- I'm sorry, quickly to that point, because this kind of fell through the cracks in terms of things we discussed because it was the final week of the regular season. But the like NFL world killed um, the Saints players for going rogue on Dennis Allen with uh, the funny play against the Falcons and like mm-hmm. whatever about the you know, however you feel about it. But like it is a fair point to say, like, well, what does it say about Dennis Allen that they, <laughs> that they feel comfortable, you know, defying? And that, that's an outright, you know, defying him like, hey, do this. They're like, oh, no, we're going to do this instead. And everybody. Right properly dragged Dennis Allen for like, they clearly don't respect you. So to your point, if that's true, then it's very clear mm-hmm. and obvious that Brian Johnson or Nick Sirianni, maybe even both have some level of not full respect coming from Eagles offensive players that they can freelance in general, let alone win the game and the season are on the line. There's an uh, interesting article. I will say from BGN's own Joe Santo Liquido up 
on Bleeding Green Nation, which is about like 4,000 words. It's a long one. Oh, my gosh. That covers uh, some interesting things with Jalen Hurts and how some of his teammates felt like, and this isn't the first time we've heard this, not the best leader this season. You feel like he changed a little bit after the contract. So, And it was very clear in that story, or at least some players made that clear. They didn't feel like it was the exact same thing as Carson Wentz, but it was closer to that than probably anyone would comfortable uh, with it being. So, you know, I think that's, that's, that is part of it. Hurts is absolutely part of it. But again, he is not the first thing to change. I would like to see him with different coaching. And then if the problems exist, then yeah, that's the point where you're like, okay, the quarterback is really a part of this problem in a big way, but it's not the place to start. So we will see uh, who they hire at coordinator. There hasn't really been a lot of offensive coordinator buzz yet. There was a mention of Jim Bob Cooter, but uh, that came out. Let's talk about the the defensive coordinator. I know we're going to get to that. I'm setting that up. Uh, But but, before we do tease it and then let's take a break. Okay. Really? We're going to break halfway through the Eagle segment. Yeah. Um, Say Joel Embiid and then we'll take a break. We're going to take a break after watching some highlights from Joel Embiid. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back. While we were gone, Brandon, you told me what your favorite Thing to drink out of a styrofoam cup is i mean i'm not a big styrofoam guy bad for the environment you know uh That's... styrofoam cup i mean i guess like a coffee is a basic answer right i don't think i drink coffee out of a styrofoam cup but if i was going to drink something out of one that's what i'm that's coming to mind you know what i i think is a money-making idea feel free to use this dunkin donuts i wish dunkin donuts partnered with like Campbell's soup and offered like drinkable soup like soup on the go I think, I think Campbell's Campbell's has that. Like they have like tomato soups that are like they look like soda cans. Right, but they should have that at like a, like a Dunkin' Donuts is what I'm saying. Like maybe you're feeling sick, like I am, and I just really would love just like a chicken noodle soup, but in like a, um, a cup. Like a, while like we're proposing quirky things, have I ever told you about my um, my ranch dressing um, container idea? No. So I eat maybe. a lot of wings. I, I'm sure you do too. Um, what what really grinds my gears is, and I'm, uh, are you, I know that uh, Rachelle asked Jalen Hurts this. Are you team flats or drums? I'm definitely more of a flats than a drums guy. Me too. Okay. So respect. I don't remember what Jalen said, but. Um, He's also, I think, a flats guy. Good for him. One of, one of the few decisions he made correctly in recent memory. But anyway, uh, so my like qualm is any general 
you know, uh, cup that you get, whether you're ranch or blue cheese, or if you're a weirdo and going ketchup or whatever, um, is round. And so you can't like get mm. the whole wing in there. You know what I'm saying? So like what I propose is a rectangular, you know, cup or, or you know, sauce holding <laughs> thing. And you can kind of just rotate it in. And that way you can get all of the wing properly mm. covered. You're not one of these people who does like where they kind of like fold the wing or they like, you know, push the meat down or whatever. I don't have time for this. I also don't want to like get the cup and then like drizzle it, you know, and and, like dress the wing. That's too much. I want to dip over and over and over again. But like I'm losing there's so much surface area on the Mm. wing that I can't get sauced or ranched because of the shape of the container. I'm actually not the biggest wings guy in terms of frequency. Uh, every once in a while, I don't love like the bones. I'm just I'm a lazy eater. I don't want to. When I want to eat, I don't want to do more work. That's not what I like. Like seafood, like you're, like the lobster or whatever, or crabs. You're like breaking things and like extracting your. I don't want to do that. I'm I'm sitting down. I want to eat. I'm hungry right now. I don't want to have to do more work. Like I don't want to further uh, prepare the food I have going on. Or are you a crawfish person? Uh, not really. See, like that's no. a food that I think that maybe if you gave it some time, you would learn because it's really all about the vibe. Like, and that's why I think you would like it. It's about the vibe and the people and the experience. And you know, you get some good crawfish with like the right kind of cold beer. Oh man, like what a great spring day that is. Um, okay. Jalen Hurts is an all flats guy. Thank with goodness. His three it's sauces: have to be. Caribbean, like a Caribbean jerk. He does a hot wing and he does a lemon pepper wing as well. All right. I'm cool with that. I can rock uh, with that. Eagles offensive coordinator. Jim Bob Cooter was thrown out there, but according to more new reporting from Jeff McLean of the Inquirer, it sounds like that's not a top candidate as much as he's just kind of a name in the mix at a lesser. Tell us, tell us who's in the mix for defensive coordinator, Brandon. Likelihood. Please. So we don't know on the offensive coordinator side as we're recording this. And as I've not checked Twitter in about, I don't know, 30 minutes or so. Um, <clears throat> defensive coordinator. There's only really one candidate that has emerged so far, tell for sure. Less, tell us, tell us, tell us, tell us. Hold on, because I just wanted a point of clarity here. It was reported that the Eagles are going to interview Mike Caldwell, who was Doug Peterson's defensive coordinator with the Jags and a former Eagles player, Eagles assistant. And But the, the, the reporting was confusing because J- Jeremy Fowler put, the Eagles are planning to interview Mike Caldwell. They need a new defensive coordinator. But he didn't necessarily say explicitly that he's interviewing for the defensive coordinator job. I think it's more likely that he would be like a linebacker's coach. Anyway, I'm having a very difficult time suppressing my excitement, so please go ahead. that RJ wants me to get to is Ron Rivera, the best yes. coach in the division <laughs> with the combination. No, uh, I think this is less of a laughable idea than you do when it comes to – I look. I don't think Ron Rivera is not my preference for defensive so you, coordinator. For you the think Eagles. it is a laughable idea? Like it's on the laughable scale for you, just maybe not as far as it is. I think it's laughable. I just think it's whatever. I don't think it's the most inspiring idea. I see the logic from a standpoint of they clearly are going to go and want to go with a more experienced defensive coordinator when they seem to think a lot of the issues they had last year were that they had a first time, well, not, it was a second time, Sean decided a second time defensive coordinator didn't have a lot of experience and they felt the need to have Patricia in the building who had experience as a defensive coordinator to like hold his hand or to really eventually overtake his job. So 
it's not surprising to me they'd go down the, the veteran route and i like that conceptually i think there's merit to that uh adding someone there because also it's clear that at some level and this the the reporting again from joe santa Liquido touches on this in the article on bleeding green nation that uh it seemed like sirianni was kind of he felt like the need to have his hand in the defense probably a little bit more than he should have there. He didn't fully trust Sean Desai on that side of the ball. Whereas if you bring in a veteran coach who's done this before, you can just be like, okay, I trust that guy. He knows what he's doing. I'm not even going to meddle too much there. So I like what that represents. Now, Ron Rivera hasn't been a defensive coordinator since 2010. So I don't really know how to gauge him in that role. You hate so- this idea. Oh, I love this idea. Like back to the no, like, I mean, like as on its own merit, not because you like the Cowboys and you hate the Eagles. Oh, like if I, if you're asking me like to evaluate it, like how if it can yeah. yield good, I think this is a horrible idea. Now, Why? to be clear, so I have two primary thoughts um, beyond what you've offered. One is it seems pretty obvious that in addition to wanting an experienced defensive mind or somebody who's done this before, it kind of seems obvious they want somebody who can. I don't want to say babysit Sirianni, but somebody who can kind of be like, dude, that's, you know, let's be a little bit more professional. You know what I mean? Like if he hasn't been humbled enough through, you know, the course of the last two months. Um, so maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I was trying to think about this from Ron Rivera's perspective because it's really rare. And I brought this up on Monday football Monday with Mark Schofield and JP Acosta. And I asked them, I said, you know, when was the last time somebody like was this like long of a tenured head coach and went back to being a coordinator? Cause the only one I can think of is Jason Garrett. And it was so awkward that when Garrett went to be the coordinator, not because he was a great head coach, but just because he'd been one for so long. And I didn't think that Mark and JP were going to be able to come up with answers right away, but they both did. Um, they both kind of settled on Wade Phillips, which is a good example, but Wade had kind of just turned into like this mercenary defensive coordinator of sorts. Um, especially after, you know, joining up with the Rams and everything like that. But, I mean, I, I brought up Gary Kubiak, um, you know, which I guess is, is an example. But I was then kind of trying to unpack that, and I was thinking, this kind of makes sense from Ron's perspective. Like, if he really still just wants to coach, he's probably sick of anything having to do with being the head coach because of, you know, obvious reasons in terms of everything that happened in Washington. I think we would both give anyone would give him a pass for dealing with everything he had to, you know, off the field in terms of things he had to be involved with just by being the head coach of the team. So I kind of get that. Like he just wants to get back to ball. But again, I mean, their defenses have been horrible. And I saw you tweet about this. Two of the like better Eagles offensive performances this season came against Ron Rivera and the Cowboys have lit up that team. And if, you know, I'm, I know the Cowboys live rent-free in your minds, but you do have to build your team to win your division first and foremost. So, like, why would you want the dude who, like, again, I know you don't like to acknowledge this, but Dak Prescott has dominated the the Eagles and the rest of the NFC East, and Ron Rivera has had a big hand in that. So, like, why would you want the dude who doesn't know how to solve the biggest issue you have in terms of winning the division? Well, I don't want him. And to be fair... I know, not you specifically. Why would anybody want That's a ridiculous. It's a ridiculous idea. So I don't know exactly how to parse the defense because obviously Jack Del Rio was the defensive coordinator. Um, Parse getting a lot of work today on today's episode, that word. I feel like Rod Rivera has some level considering his background there. It can't be like he's not involved at all. So I don't know exactly what to make of that. I think it was kind of, if you look at his track record and I have this on the article on Bleeding Your Nation in terms of the opponent yards per play and opponent yards per uh, points per game each season, it's kind of a mixed bag. There have been some good defenses there, even in Washington, there were some really good defenses in there. So I don't know what to totally make of that. I think this is the vision. 
the vision is that it's what I said earlier in terms of experience coordinator. And it's about, it's not about we're trying to be, and look, again, I'm not saying this is the best strategy, but I'm saying I think this is their strategy. It's not like we don't necessarily need to be the best defense in the league. We're just aiming for competency. We don't care about variance as much as we just want to raise the floor of this defense. And I think there's a case to be made that bringing in Renan Rivera could raise the floor of the Eagles defense from last year. Sure. I don't um, think it's there's much required to raise the floor, though. You know what I mean? Like Ron Rivera isn't the like floor raiser. Any like any human being almost is. is the floor. I think raiser. that's what he brought to Washington in large part. He raised their floor. He absolutely did for the most part. I mean, not to this level of great success, but it was from better than what it was before, where they were like totally just scraping the bottom of the barrel every single year. So looking at, I want to look at this now. Um, defensive DVOA which FTN Fantasy has dating back to 2021. Um, so this past year, defensively, Washington was, and again, you're right, like Jack Del Rio, obviously part of that, 31st overall. My goodness gracious. Um, they were in and 2000. in fairness to him, you know, they did trade two of their best pass rushers in the middle of the season, which they should have, but it doesn't help him. Now, in 2022, they were 10th. Um, so, you know, there's that. And 2021, they were 27th. So you're talking about bottom five defenses in two of the last three years. That's the dude who you want. And that's literally the second to last, you know, one last year. Um, yeah. So um, not the most inspiring name to me, but I think the right kind of mold conceptually, I would, I think Leslie Frazier is the name who makes a lot of sense. He's out there. I think yeah. That's he's the kind of, he's mold. got some, um, some, who's Robitas. the example I'm thinking of? I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of like who he some Jim Schwartz kind of vibes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just like like that's the you know if it, it feels like a that guy in my mind. Who's not made to be a head coach, but is right. a really good defensive coordinator. Yeah, and um, also that's another benefit in theory of like that hiring that kind of guy as opposed to worrying about hiring the. This is a little silly to me because you shouldn't hire a coach because you think they're going to be too good. But the problem is if you go the younger route and it's this innovative up and comer guy, then you lose that person as opposed to you don't, if you can, if you feel like you can kind of, I know this might work out differently with Cowboys and Dan Quinn and everything, but if you feel like you can kind of just get that former failed head coach in there who gives you more stability over the long term, I do think that's another point in the pro column. Um, Ron Rivera has the makings of like interim Eagles head coach from like November 14th on in 2024 after Nick Sirianni's dismissed. Possibly. That's not um, why I wouldn't hire him though. No, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have brought back Nick Sirianni. So it's all kind of uh, it's um not ideal. I'm so mad at this division because a year ago, well, not, not quite literally, but, you know, a little after the Super Bowl dust had settled, it was just this argument of like, no, my team's better. No, my team's better. You know, yeah. like, no, we have the best this. No, we have the best this. And now it's just like, we both suck. Like, I hate you more. <laughs> and so, like, I want to say you suck more, but, like, I hate my team so much that I don't right. know that I think anyone sucks more than them. So, like, I hate that the division really just took away so much juice for the entire the team with the most. I think you can argue the teams with the most like optimistic outlook are in like reverse division order. I think you can say I think you can say well, that not that it get, should be, but I think how they're feeling, actually. It's, it's because they've already been through, you know, the gamut and they're closer to what feels like the other side. Um, do we have any news on the Giants? I don't think there's anything. Like right they're still now, looking for a defensive coordinator. We don't really have and any. And Wink kind Martindale of... doesn't have a new home, to your point, quite yet. Yep. At least. The Eagles were mentioned as a possible landing spot for him. I don't think that's likely. And they didn't actually, there's no word of them interviewing him as much as just they kind of, you know, on their radar, nebulous 
but I have not seen anything uh, new from BigBlueView.com other than, you know, the big topics there kind of being like, what do they do with Saquon Barkley? Do they, you know, do they extend him? Where do we think Saquon, like, what's the best destination for Saquon? Or what's what's the, like, the one that we're missing? The Eagles. (laughs) I, well, so a lot of Cowboys fans are like, man, if we sign Derrick Henry, like, I'll remotely start to believe again. I would not be opposed. What? Well, I mean, like, that's not the right way to put it. Like, a lot of Cowboys fans are like, that will help. No, no, that will help me feel something. You know what I mean? That will help me feel just some semblance of joy. You know what I mean? And that would be a little bit, you know, depending on anything else, but like a shred of going Mm. all in, so to speak. But like, if the Cowboys signed Derrick Henry or Saquon, I mean, I'd be, again, relative to what that was, kind of excited. It'd be fun. Chiefs. Oh, man. Chiefs, Bills makes a lot of sense, too. Um, Bengals, if they move on from Joe Mixon, uh, he kind of seems like a stealer, too. I was going to say stealer, but I, yeah. I guess I don't know. I think they're not going to go that route. Um, okay, so nothing really there on the Giants. Still nothing on the Commanders. Um, head uh, coach search, though, still underway. Um, well, actually, I guess we should mention um, now that the Lions have reached the NFC Championship game. The com- are you laughing at this or something? Else? I'm, I'm, I just thought of I think the Chargers are a really good fit for Saquon because it's just so theoretical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and not actual. Anyway, I don't think that's as, uh, I don't think that's as funny as you thought it was in your head, but it made me good. It seems like the perfect fit. This, this theoretically awesome thing. Um, the command the Washington franchise and the Lions met in the 1991 yes. NFC Championship game, and Washington won it and then beat the Bills um, in the Super Bowl. Uh, but the Lions are back in the title game for the first time since, obviously. Yeah. Um, so now Washington outright holds the longest drought for NFC Championship game appearances. The Dallas Cowboys. Right on their heels, though. So Washington last went in 1991, Dallas in 1995. Do you know the next team and the year that we're talking about? So, like, in terms of, like, most, you know, the third longest drought in the NFC in terms of conference championship game appearances. Uh, Well, the Commanders. So, so Washington's one, appearance 1991. Dallas is two, appearance 1995. Who's three? Can you guess the team or the year? I'll take either one. Mm, I don't know. Want to offer, I guess. I can't think. Who would it be? The Chicago Bears oh. are that team. Duh. And their, their last appearance was 2010. So since 2010, every mm. team except for Washington and Dallas have made it to the con at least appeared in the conference championship game. Um, and in fact, yes. uh, well, I mean, um, it's a tough scene. It's a real tough. But anyway, uh, Washington's still without a head coach. Um I mean, this this feels like Ben Johnson. Like it's starting to, you know, we're the, just kind of we're just kind of like waiting for him to be available. Win the Super Bowl, and then it'll be like we got the Super Bowl winning quarterback or coordinator from right. you know, and then the Lions take a step back next year, and then you know the Commanders take this big step forward with uh, Drake May or whoever they okay. get and Ben Johnson. Let, let's play this out. So the commonly. Uh, mocked player to Washington right now is Drake May, obviously, right? Like, because Caleb Williams goes one in most mocks. Mm-hmm. Um, say it has been, so right as it stands here today, on a one to ten scale, ten, holy crap, one, pff, how afraid of you are the, like, how afraid are you of the commanders? I would say I'm at like a, a four or five right now. At a ten? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of theoretical there. So, but yeah, right now, right now, how, where are you at? Right now, before they hire a coach, I guess, yes. like, <laughs> Yeah, like a five. Okay. So if that coach is Ben Johnson, 
I'm at now. I'm at like a seven. Goes up to like yeah, like a seven. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know what to make of Drake Bay. I've not really you know like seen I a lot. Yeah, of we're, I think I haven't done enough work yet. But what like so alternative option, alternative to Drake May. What if they sign Russell Wilson? Well, then I would go down. <laughs> no, but like in in an effort, like what if they sign Russell Wilson and pair him with like Marvin Harrison Jr. You know what I mean? And like now you've got no. Terry McLaurin. You no. know, I mean, like it's no. one one route. Can't I mean, do that. One... You can't. You can't I agree do with that you in terms of where they are. Like they need. This is about like the like hope in the future, and vision. It's not about like win now. That's not the. They have the grace period. They they are they already have it. They don't need like this win now. They have the okay. grace period to work with. They're going to slow build this thing. But slow build, I don't say that as in, like, they might only succeed slowly. They might succeed very fast because turnaround happens quicker than we think. Like, what if... Well, and uh, the division looks, you know... What if like Drake May and CJ Stroud, you know? Uh, not the oh. same kind of player, but that kind of impact. Or, I mean, well, on top of that, but, like, whatever. But, like, what if the Cowboys and Eagles are both predictably bad? And, you know... Yeah. That, and so, both firing their coaches in season. Or not even in season. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, you... There's a world actually. There's a world where a year from now, Ben Johnson or whoever is the longest tenured head coach in the NFC East. Well, is there not? But, but yes. No, but I that's what I'm saying. Like, like the Giants could totally be bad enough to where they. Well, move if on it's in deep. season, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So I mean, like, if but you yes, to your to your point, to your yes, point about playing coach. it right, they they could play this so smoothly, and a year from now be like sitting absolutely pretty, um, which yep. is frustrating. It's terrifying. Wow. It's not. It's not a fun because you know, obviously, for so many years, you could just count on them not being a factor. But that's another thing, like another point going against both the Eagles and the Cowboys in the circumstance. Like you're running it back, thinking that the other teams in the division are going to be bad again, and you, you know, it's and it's either your division or the Cowboys' division because it's that's how it's been for a while. All the Commanders are coming. They're coming for you know the division title. They're gonna make a surge. Do we have anything else to add? um before we get to songs anything we could do songs and then conference championship picks if you'd like but anything sure. else anything important no um i just saw a tweet um from an hour ago for us that uh the commanders and falcons are both ex- expected to send a contingent to detroit next week to interview both ben johnson and aaron glenn so mm. i'd be less afraid of aaron glenn former cowboy aaron glenn but you know um do i do songs or picks first yeah what's Rachel's song Rachelle's song is a, a banger. Uh, and wow. She went with Upgrade You by Beyonce. Let me upgrade you. Strong. What's your song? I'm going to go with, um, I've told this story before, mm. but I heard this song and this on the album in question. I think you will appreciate this. Uh, in high school, obviously. And I had never seen the movie Dirty Dancing. And then when I saw that movie, maybe like five or six years later, the line was said, and I was like, that's the fallout boy song. Um, mm. nobody, nobody puts baby in a quarter. Um, I love that song. So going with that. Do you know what movie that's from? Um, I know there's a fallout boy song in that movie Dogtown, um, the skateboarding movie. No, I like what movie the line of the song is from. I did you not hear the story that I just told literally no, five I seconds? Wasn't listening. Ago. Oh my gosh! I literally told a story that I had heard this song. I had never seen Dirty Dancing, and then when I saw Dirty Dancing, like five or six years, I hope everybody heard this sequence because this was really <laughs> frustrating. I literally just told this story that Have when you seen it, the when, movie, yeah, I just told you twice that when I saw the movie that when Patrick Swayze says says it, I went, "That's the song. That's the Fallout Boy song." So nobody puts mm. Baby in a Corner is my song. I totally was gonna say 
another Patrick Swayze. I thought it was I was con- um what's the word? When you I was conflating. I was conflating that with ghost. Oh, that's a horrible um well actually I've never seen the movie, but my wife and I saw the Broadway show and it was bad. And it makes me not want to at all see the movie. That's the one where he's like uh they're like molding the clay together. Anyway. Uh my song this week is by Thursday and it's Understanding in a Car Crash. It's more of like a up tempo song, I would say. Hardcore. It's a hardcore song. For the hardcore listeners. For the hardcore yeah. listeners out there, you know, smash that subscribe button, will ya? <laughs> um, on both the bleedinggreennation.com or Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel and the Walking the Boys YouTube channel. Uh, we're a review few, and rating. We're a few weeks away from having to put some Usher songs on here. Yeah. We are. What's your favorite Usher song? I mean, I just said it. No, that's not true. I think uh, it's tough. That's really. I tough. mean, it depends what like kind of usher you're in the mood for. Like confessions is obviously great. Burn is. I was great. gonna say. I think it has to be. Con- it's. I mean, it's confession between confessions and burn for me. But I'm gonna say confessions. Um, caught up is a great usher song. Kind of an up tempo one. Um, yeah. I'm gonna spoil it now. The usher song I'm gonna put on there though is DJ got his fallen in love. Wow. If you're if you're in the right mood and that song comes on, bang. Wow. Um. Okay, so conference championship game picks. Uh, we will discuss these games at length with our buddy Steven Serta. Did you look? Mm-hmm. Um, did our same game parlay hit? I don't think it did. No, uh, I don't think we went over three again. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, th- for the purposes of just information, um, AFC championship game up first. The Chiefs are in Baltimore. First AFC championship game ever in Baltimore. Uh, the Ravens are three and a half point favorites at home. It did open at three, so they've picked up a half point in the few days since. Patrick Mahomes is, he just refuses to lose. That's what I was <laughs> I, been told. Hang on. I, before you go any further, I got a slack from Pete Tweeney today for us on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, um, he said, got to say. That was the first one. And then the second one was some big capital RTL vibes in Buffalo. First time all year. Scary. Huh? RTL. RTL. RTL refuse to lose. Oh. <laughs> yeah, like that's a common um but seriously it's just the inevitability of him is for real. It doesn't mean he can't lose, but it's just it's hard to bet against it and I know Lamar won. Congrats to him last week for avoiding becoming literally the worst quarterback <laughs> in NFL history in playoff winning percentage ever. Uh well, I don't know, ever, but he would be currently the worst if he had lost, so he didn't. I took him to win. You thought he was going to not cover. You guaranteed he wouldn't cover. He did cover. Uh, I am going to take the Chiefs and Mahomes outright. Uh, so, so you'll obviously take the points. Um, the Ravens are terrifying. Um, I mean, like, really, really, really terrifying. Lamar doesn't have to play well. That's the reality. Their defense is that good. I mean, he the new, didn't play well. He did play well the, last week. They're the new Eagles uh, in that sense. Um what? Yeah, like J- Jalen played horrible the first half of the season and they won. Anyway, um, I'm going to take the Ravens. I mean, just, you know, they're so hard to not believe in and not buy in. I will say my uh, cup is very full on the Harbaugh who's got it better than us thing. Like we, we lived that 11 years ago when they met in the Super Bowl. We don't have to be told that they used to say this or they say this still, whatever, all the time. Like, you know, it's cool. Like there are other elements that we can explore. Here I don't really get it. 
I think it was just like them embracing like their circumstances as a family, like when when they used to say it a long time ago, which I think is really cool and empowering. Um, and so I like it as a as a creed. But again, we've heard it a lot. Is all I'm saying. You know, just... I think I mean I get it now. That you're, I get it, but at the same time, like it's not. It's too confusing. It's not obvious enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh so okay so we differ there the nfc championship game this opened i think at six and a half um the detroit lions are seven point underdogs on the road against the 49ers um much like his foil sean mcveigh kyle shanahan bit of a coward has some coward mm-hmm. tendencies that almost bit mm-hmm. him in the butt during the division yeah. round of the playoffs i will go first and yeah. I like to say, I like to refer to an analogy called the baby in a construction zone where sometimes you have to not know better, you know what I mean, to like thrive and have success. And Dan Campbell is has the same effect going on, but just because he, he has like he has like bliss that he can turn on. You know what I'm saying? Like he he's just like a I don't need to know. I don't care about the circumstances or what's at stake. Like I'm just going to be me. He has an incredible amount of self-confidence that I really respect and admire. There's just no way. Like I, if I have to bet on like who's going to trust what they have more it's dan campbell and i'm gonna take the lines oh it's tough because but, sorry quickly i gave uh, my son I, i've given him a, a set of mini helmets for the entire nfl and on monday night i presented the conference championship games in my two hands and i asked him to pick the two winners right it's a bit that a lot of people do he picked mm-hmm. the ravens and the lions rematch of that whatever it was like week 10 game and the Justin Tucker 400-yard field goal game. True. Mm, this is tough because the Debo injury looms large. I think mm-hmm. even if he does suit up, I don't know if he's going to be able to play the whole game or you know handle a normal role that he would have. Lions run defense this season. I don't know. I'm, I don't remember. I haven't looked enough into the Lions like know if it's still this way. But I remember very early in the season, I, I knew someone who was betting the under – on running backs going up against the Lions like every week and making money off of it because the Lions run defense is really good. And that's a really good matchup for this team because you can shut down the Lions running or the 49ers running game, which is easier said than done. But if you can do that and Brock Purdy has to throw the ball a lot, I know the rain impacted him, but still, if you make Brock Purdy throw the ball a lot, man, he was he was begging to throw a pick six. He wanted someone to pick six him so bad in that Packers game. It didn't happen. So I don't want to react to that. Is he the fourth best quarterback left right now? Like he's third at best, right? Like it's just a matter. Like who would you take right now? Jared Goff or Brock Purdy? I I think they both are are like extensions of their head coaches. Like I I think I think Goff is more willing to trust what's around him, and I think Purdy's gotten a little like you know a little shy and a little you know skittish. I think Goff has made a higher. Uh, quantity of high, uh, high quality throws while also putting the ball in harm's way less. I think mm-hmm. Brock has done a worse job of putting the ball in harm's way. So, um, yeah, I'll take the Lions too. Screw it. I feel like I can't, I can't wait to tell their stats. vibes are good. And I don't know. I just, I feel like they might actually do this thing. I feel like they might actually win the Super Bowl. Like they just, they feel like they, this is a their year kind of team. Well, you said that about San Francisco as well. Like you said, it was, and it it, it has been, it has been their year. Like, but it's their year. There are two types of their years in my mind. One, their year is your own accord. Like everything you're doing is your year. The other is like everything around you is your year. And the Niners seem like, at least lately, more of the latter, where the Lions seem Mm. more, more of the former. 
I will say it is cool to me, and we can talk about this more in TGI football, I guess, but to spoil that, and if you don't listen to it, I think it sounds obvious because they're literally the two teams remaining, but I think either team who goes to the Super Bowl truly deserves it because, as I pointed out to you in stats, if the 49ers mm-hmm. make it, they will have literally beaten at least uh, – or they will have literally beaten every team in the NFC who made the NFC playoff picture, that side of the, the bracket – the, the 49ers have beaten every single one of those teams, whether in the regular season or in the playoffs. Now they lost to the Rams in week 18, but who cares? That wasn't a real mm-hmm. game. So like that's, you deserved it. <laughs> you beat, you beat all the other top teams. The only yeah. thing they, the only team that could have a leg to stand on in terms of, Oh, you didn't beat us is the Vikings who, you know, obviously didn't even make the playoffs. And even if they did, they weren't going to go far with the Nick Mullins or whoever at quarterback. So that's to your point. Cool. He- even the first team out was Seattle and they beat them. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the, and then if the lions make it, it's not the same thing, but it is like, Hey, the lions couldn't, or sorry, the 49ers watching this, the the Eagles couldn't beat the 49ers. Cowboys couldn't beat the 49ers. Guess who could beat the 49ers? And the the Packers couldn't beat the 49ers too. Like you got to throw them in there. Like they got hot and everybody was all in on that. Um, So wow. the Lions will, if they make it, they will have undoubtedly like earned it. It's not a matter of you know everyone questioning, like when the the Saints had their little, uh, well, if you know we the Minnesota miracle didn't happen, <laughs> the Eagles. Like, there's none, there's none of that. It's whatever team that goes to the Super Bowl, like a hundred percent, unquestionably deserves it. I also think that Lamar has it. We did a, a segment on the radio on, on Tuesday, like who has the most to gain from all this? I think it's Lamar and the Ravens, really the Ravens as a whole, because if the Ravens win this Super Bowl, now all of a sudden you've got three in 28 years, which is just incredible. Obviously, mm-hmm. again, given we all know the Ravens history with different John, quarterbacks too. right. John Harbaugh has two. So now he's like really in the discussion for like, you know, top whatever 10 coaches of all time, which is, you know, there's a lot of great coaches in NFL history and Lamar. Not that like uh, like one Super Bowl is like a easily conquerable thing, but now you like if if there is a true like you know challenger for Mahomes, Lamar's gonna get the second MVP, right? We we agree on that. And so you know Lamar would have two, Mahomes would have two, and if the Ravens in the Super Bowl, Lamar would have a Super Bowl, and Mahomes would I, again I say only relatively speaking, but like only have two. Like you know what I mean? Like it's not Burrow, it's not Allen, it's not you know Mac Jones or whoever. Like it's Lamar. That is who the answer is, and it would be the most like from a resume standpoint, equal, you know, top two quarterbacks we've seen. Cause there was never any like, you know, balance to Peyton and, and Brady. You know what I mean? Like well, it was, it was so one-sided from a resume standpoint. I'm so glad you just brought that up because that's the case if Lamar loses, right? Lamar at that point, it's like Lamar's Peyton regular season King, but you know, in the playoffs, Brady and Mahomes, like those are the guys who are going to come through. If we acknowledge that Mahomes is Brady, who I think I know Allen wants to be Peyton so badly. He's not, I think Burrow stood a chance. And if they don't sounds like Philip Rivers kind of. Oh gosh. I don't think you're wrong, but that's <laughs> that's horrible. Yeah. Um, but and so that would make Burrow Ben Roethlisberger, I guess. Uh no, he's better than that. Well, they had some some moments. Oh, and they never really beat I know. the Patriots. Yeah, um, he had good years, but like Burrow's at a different level, I think, than that. Wow. I don't I don't know the comp. There has to be a good one. Just kind of blanking. Um, AFC Joe Flacco. He's Joe Flacco. That's who he is. I thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. He's he's yeah. he's not Eli. Um, I'll say that. Um, no, we're talking about AFC. 
No. Okay. Uh, very exciting. We'll talk about it more on Friday on TGI Football. For now, we bid you adieu. And as we do, Brandon, you told us that you were going to sing a song on the way out. So go ahead. I'm sick, man. I'm not going to sing a song. Then say uh, any com- Say any three words. Any one word. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.